Good morning, Redemption Community Church. My name is Corey Ball, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption. So glad that you guys are joining us. Today is week three in our sermon series, A New Heart, as we look at the way that God relates to his people. Uh, well, change is something that is inevitable. Change is something that we all take part in. We are actually, uh, we were thrust into the greatest time of change in our entire life. We're thrust into it in our very first month. Did you know that? Uh, in the very first month of a baby's life, if that baby continues to grow at that rate, by the time he or she is 20 years old, they will be 40 to 50 feet tall. That's right. We, we explode in growth. I even heard one time that if a baby grows at the rate that it grows in the first three days of its life, it will actually reach uh, the Empire State Building by the end of its life. It will be that tall. And so we grow like crazy in that first month of our life. And when I said uh, we, we were, we're thrust into the greatest growth stage of our life in that first month, you were like, wait a minute, what about puberty, right? Uh, yeah, remember those changes? Crazy time, right? Crazy time. Now listen, I'm just going to speak for the boys, but, but, but we went through this crazy growth spurt. I think in one summer, my shoes had to be replaced like three times. My mom hated it, right? She was she was angry all the time. Why are your feet still growing? Can't they just stop, right? Um, and, and then beyond that, uh, we became hairier as boys. Yeah, I know, gross. Like the razor companies, you know, like the razor industry, they picked up a lifelong customer, uh, you know, once we hit puberty, we also became smellier. And so the deodorant uh, industry picked up a lifelong customer. We have to mask all that stench now. Um, and, and our faces exploded with acne, super gross. And uh, the face wash companies, they picked up a lifelong customer as well. Um, and, and then beyond all that, our, our, our voices, they started to crack a little bit, you know, and deepen, you know. And, uh, and, and so we had these nostalgic tales to tell all of our friends for the rest of our lives about how our voices cracked at the worst possible time when we were asking that girl out uh, in middle school, right? Or, uh, or when we were given a class presentation and, and those, those stories, we laugh at them forever after we went through counseling to take care of the pain and embarrassment that they once brought, right? But, but, but change for us as, as people, um, it's inevitable. And, and I think either we love change, like we're all about it, right? We're excited by it, or we're paralyzed by it. We're petrified by it. We're fearful of change. But no matter what, I believe this, that our culture is addicted to change, we're either addicted to, to the excitement that, that it may bring or the fear that it may bring, but we can't get it out of our minds. We can't get it, get, get it out of our thoughts. And, and, and what happens over time is it makes its way into our radios, it makes its way into our stereos. Some of the greatest musicians of all time have penned lyrics around the issue of change. The Beatles in 1962, uh, they, they sang the song, We All Want to Change the World. They said, you say you want a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. And I think it's true. I think we do. Sam Cooke, just two years later, man, I love Sam Cooke. Uh, he said, it, you know, in his song, A Change is Going to Come. He says, it's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. I can hear his smooth, sultry voice, right? Uh, old Sam Cooke, he's, he, his voice is like velvet. It is so good. Um, and uh, Bob Dylan, 
and then in, in the same year, 1964, uh, the times they are a changing. Bob Dylan saying it's been a long, or sorry, uh, that's uh, Sam Cooke, but Bob Dylan says, and you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a changing. And I feel that's true, right? If you don't, if you don't swim, uh, you're just going to sink. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, the song Landslide in 1975, Stevie Nicks, she sang, I've been afraid of changing. I've been afraid of changing. And I think that that really is as many of us, right? We're afraid, afraid of changing. Um, Don Henley, the lead singer of the Eagles in 1989, he sang in his own song, A New York Minute. He says in a New York Minute, everything can change. In a New York Minute, things get pretty strange in a New York Minute. And I feel like that kind of describes COVID. It wasn't in a New York Minute, but it was in a New York weekend, maybe, everything changed, right? Uh, first part of March there. And, um, so change Tupac Shakur and uh, his song changes in 1998, uh, posthumously he was, the, the song was released and he says, that's just the way it is. Uh, things will never be the same. Some things will never change. I think some of us feel that about change. Like some things just, they're just never going to change. Coldplay in 2000 sang the same type of vibe. They said, uh, we, we, we never change. Do we No, no, we never learn, do we? Sometimes uh, people just don't change. Things just don't change even when we need them to or we want them to. And finally, John Mayer in 2006 in his song Waiting on the World to Change, he says, so we keep waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. Um, I feel like I'm in a time right now where I'm just waiting on the world to change, right? I'm ready for COVID to be over. I'm ready for election season to be over. Uh, two things that I kind of despise. And, uh, and and I think you feel this same way. That, that we often, we're just waiting on the world to change. We want change. But you see, no matter what, if you're excited about change or if you're scared to death about change, no matter what, I think we're all addicted to it. We are, we are uh, it's inevitable, the change is going to happen. We're, we're thrust into it, right? in our first days of life. And some scientists, crazy, some scientists would even say that your hair and your nails continue to grow and change even after you die. See, it's inescapable. It's something that, that, that happens to all of us throughout our entire lives. And so we can either run from it uh, or we can run to it. But but before we continue, as we talk about change today, we're going to talk about covenants and how they change. We're going to talk about how God's relationship with us change, or changed and changes uh, through our maturity and through the maturity of the covenants. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I think before we get there, I, I need to say this. I need to remind us that we are our souls with a body. We are not bodies with a soul. And remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but this is so important. It's so very important. We can't miss this. We're spirits. We're souls with a body. We're spirits encased in flesh and bone. And the reason this is so important is because um, when you look at our world, we work so hard to change things. We work uh, so hard to, 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 to go on these yo-yo diets, right? And, and, uh, you know, make sure that we're on that new fad diet. We work so hard to, to go to the gym and, 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 uh, you know, we, we, we spend hundreds and thousands of dollars in our beauty regimens every single year. Um, and, and why do we do this, right? Like, why do we, why do we have to have body positivity campaigns, you know? 
Um, why all of a sudden do the models look very, very different? And, and, and some of them, you know, like not healthy, right? Uh, we went, we went from not healthy on, on one side. Okay. Like anemic and, 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 and way underweight, whatever, uh, to, to, to overweight, you know? And, and, and so like, why do we like, well, like why are we going to this body positivity the other way? Uh, why are some teenagers literally, um, so concerned about their bodies, sometimes even to the point of committing suicide because they don't fit a certain mold? Why are we struggling with this as a culture? Because we fail to realize that we are spirits with a body. We're souls with flesh. And, and what happens is that we, we go through all these things, spending money and time and all this stuff to make sure that the outside of our bodies are, are, are shining, Right. Uh, we, we, uh, we're we're, we're often shining because we drank a green goddess smoothie at 6am before our Peloton workout. All the while, the inside, the interior, our souls, who we really are, is rotting. Jesus says this in Matthew 23, uh, verses 27 through 28, and I think we're fulfilling these words He's talking to the religious leaders of his time. But he says this. He says, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. We are souls with a body. So we need to make what is eternal king. We need to make what is temporal a servant to what is eternal. We need to make our bodies a servant to our souls. We are souls with a body. This is really important because as we look at our maturity in Christ and the way that we change and grow, we need to focus less on our exteriors and more on our interiors. Uh, remember in week one, we said this. We said that God made a covenant with Abram. And uh, that uh, that covenant, in that covenant, God promised this. He promised land to Abram. He promised a people to Abram. That's that's uh, the land of Israel and the people, the Israelites. And then also he promised that, that through him, all the families of the world will be blessed. And, and that week, our bottom line was this. That the covenants are God's perfect path for our return to him. Okay, now week two, uh, last week, Casey, she spoke about the covenant between Moses, right, and God, and really God and the people, but with Moses as the inter- intercessor there. Um, and that God made this this promise to Moses and the Israelites. And, and in that, the bottom line was this, that God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can bless others. So a long time ago, um, in, in week three, we're going to continue here, but in a long time ago, God sent these people called prophets, and he sent them to the people um, of the world to bring a message about him and his plan to redeem the people of Israel and eventually the rest of the world. Um, so God sent these, these prophets. And today we're going to look at two of these prophets. Uh, one is Ezekiel. The other one is Jeremiah. And both of these, uh, in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel and the book of Jeremiah, these letters that these two prophets wrote, they, they have in it this promise of a new covenant. And so we're going to look at that. Ezekiel was written uh, roughly, roughly around 500, 571 BC. We're going to jump into Ezekiel 36 verses 25. But before we do, just understand 
this is, uh, Jeremiah is giving this message, but it's a message straight from God. And so these, these words are coming straight from God. And, uh, and, and Jeremiah is writing down what, what God has revealed to him. Verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel and the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. So God is saying here that I'm getting ready to operate differently in you that I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. I'm going to clean you that, that I'm going to uh, take, take, uh, or you're going to receive a new spirit. And then he says this, he says, I'm going to take my spirit, his spirit, right? And he's going to put his spirit inside of us. And can you imagine the Israelites and the people of the world hearing this? Wait a minute, wait a minute, God, you're going to put your spirit inside of me. Like I'm going to have a part of you inside of me dwelling in me. This is crazy. This is a big, big change, right? It's a big change. And then he goes on and Ezekiel says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to take your stony and stubborn heart and uh, I'm going to take it out of you, right? God is saying, I'm going to take it out of you. Ezekiel pens the words of the Lord. He says, I, now I'm going to give you a tender and responsive heart. See, that the covenants, they were maturing, right? They're growing. They're changing. They're going to be different. They're going to hit puberty, right? They're going to grow. They're going to be different. And we, we need to remember, we talked about this week one, but we need to remember this, that the, the, the covenants, uh, as they change, they, 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 weren't, they weren't replacing something that was, that was bad or broken or a mistake. See, God didn't make a mistake when he put out the original covenants with, with Abram and then with Moses, right? He didn't. He didn't uh, make a mistake. But 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 what he what he did was he always planned for these covenants to progress, to mature, to hit puberty, right, to change, to grow. And so this is what we're seeing here with these covenants. They're they're going to be different. They're going to grow. They're going to change. Well, in roughly uh, uh, 626 BC, about 45 years before Ezekiel's letter. Jeremiah had this interaction with God as well, and this is a different prophet. And so he's writing about this same promise of a new covenant that will one day come. And we're going to look at this in Jeremiah 31. And in the same fashion as the Ezekiel account, God is giving these words to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is penning them down, okay? Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I'd love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In the past, uh, the covenant given to Moses was very conditional upon the Israelites' obedience or disobedience to the covenant, right? Like God, God is going to bless them or not bless them based off of their obedience. 
um, if they follow these things. And so there's a lot of condition on the individual's, uh, you know, part. Also, in, in, in the covenant that God gave Moses, you know, with, with the new, uh, or, or sorry, with the Ten Commandments and things like that, um, uh, God is, is, is writing, he wrote those, those laws on stone tablets, okay? Like God wrote those on stone tablets. He, he did it. And then uh, he's saying in this new covenant, the promise of the new covenant, listen, now I'm going to write these things on your heart. I'm going to put them deep inside of you. I'm going to write them on your heart. And what we see also in, 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 in both of these promises of the new covenant, not just that, but we also see this, that, that there, there is this, uh, this, this phrase, God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Like this, this belonging, this relationship, right? Um, that's what we see in this promise of the new covenant. Now, one thing that we have to get, and this is going to be the crux of this message. This is going to be the weight of this message. We have to understand that the promise of this new covenant, uh, when it was given, uh, it, it, it took over 600 years for it to actually be fully fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 600 years. And, um, you know, we, we, we said back in the Come and See series, I, I said this, that, that delayed isn't denied. Delayed isn't denied. And that's true. Just because God delayed his promise, um, he didn't deny his promise. He fulfilled his promise because he's the God who keeps promises. Okay? But 600 years... And I think, I think some of you today, you, you, you don't trust God. Some of you who are watching this, you don't trust God. And the reason you don't trust God is not because you're ignorant about the Bible or you're ignorant about God. Um, I think for many of you, the reason you don't trust God is because you've, you've read the Bible and you've read promises uh, like that found in Romans 8.28 which says, uh, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, right? And, and I think that for many of you, you're wondering, okay, uh, like when is God going to cause everything to work out for the good of, of me? Because I love you, God. Like I've kept up my end of the deal. I love you and, and I believe that you are mine and I am yours I believe that you have saved me, that you have changed me, but everything in my life is not working out for good right now. Like things are falling apart. I've lost my job. I've lost a relationship. I've lost a loved one. I feel alone. I feel hurt. I feel broken. Um, I, I'm, I'm on rock bottom some days. God, I don't feel like you're working everything out for, for, for my good, for the good of those who love you, right? Um, we we feel this and, and we've read not just Romans but other promises in the Bible and we're saying God what what gives right like are you going to bless me are you going to provide for me are you going to love me are you going to care for me um, and I get it like that's only natural the, the question we have to ask is like do we really understand faith you know in these moments do we really understand faith and this is today's bottom line that the faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he promised to do. That's the bottom line. God is who he says he is. And that he will do everything that he promised 
to do. The problem is that we we look at these promises that God has made in Scripture and we want them to be fulfilled tomorrow, right? Like we want we want his timeline to bend toward ours, right? Like we don't want to submit to his timeline. We want him to get it done today. Uh, it reminds me of this meme that I saw uh, a while back. It says, ladies, if a man says he will fix it, he will. There is no need to remind him every six months about it. Um, it's such a funny meme to me because uh, it's true. I, I'm pretty sure I have a shelf around here that I think I'm supposed to hang. Uh, Brittany has told me, and I think it hasn't been hung for six months. You know, uh, I need to get around to that. Uh, I said I would do it, and I'll do it. Okay, babe, I will do it. Um, but just stop reminding me, right? Um, so anyway, it's funny because it's true. But when, when it comes to God, we look at God like the wife looks at her husband, right? And we're like, wait a minute. Like, you said you were going to do it. Uh, are you going to do it today? Right? Okay, you're going to do it tomorrow. Okay, like I can handle that, right? Uh, but if we say next Friday, if we say next, you know, next, next January, if we say 2025, if we say by the end of our life, all of a sudden it, it gets, gets kind of hard to trust something like that. And we struggle with, with trusting God sometimes because we want him to work on our timeline. But God doesn't work on our timeline. He works on his own timeline. His promises will be fulfilled on his timeline when he is ready to do it. And, um, and I think the hard thing about this promise of the new covenant is, is it's the promise of the new covenant to come. Like I said before, it, it took God over 600 years to fully fulfill this covenant, this covenant to, to, to fully fulfill his promise. Now, listen, I'm not the smartest guy in St. Louis, okay? But I know this, that throughout 600 years, a couple generations passed, right? A couple generations lived by the promise that Jesus was going to fulfill this promise and, and, and that God, God was going to send his son, right? I mean, they didn't fully understand that at the time. But, but, but no matter what, that God was going to fulfill the promise of the covenant they lived by this promise, and they died never seeing it fulfilled. Generations. And, and we struggle to wait a couple more days or a couple more months or a couple more years. Like We have no grit. We have very little resilience. Now, we may think we have grit. We may think we have resilience because in human eyes, sure, we do. But we often do not have the grit and resilience to wait upon the Lord. Not, not on the timeline that the Lord has. And so we, we need to ask for grit. We need to ask for resilience. Um, we need Holy Spirit grit and Holy Spirit resilience to wait on the Lord. Remember that, that faith is confidence that God is who He says He is and that He will do everything He promised to do. But... He doesn't always do it on our timeline. And so, uh, to the single person who wants a life companion, to, the, to the, the woman whose womb is barren and is waiting for the positive pregnancy test, for, for, the, for the college student who, who's not sure that you're going to make it through these years to the end of your degree, to the, the, the person who is, is setting up a business and you're waiting for, for, for the time that it finally grows exponentially to the person who has lost their job or their business 
um, to the person who is is losing their marriage and you're begging God to move and to act. You're waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. You're waiting for the good in your life, for everything to work out for the good because you do love him. For all of us in waiting, for all of us waiting for something uh, different, for a change to come, right? Sam Cook, you know, he says, I know change is going to come, right? You know, yes, it will. For all of us in that moment, this is what I want to do with the last two minutes of our time. I just want to pray for grit and resilience, Holy Spirit grit and resilience. Next week, we'll get into the fulfillment of the promise, but we're not ready for that yet. Today, we talk about grit and resilience and our need for that. Let me pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for, um, for your love for us. I thank you that you taught us to love you. Um, God, I thank you that you promise us that you will give us the things we need that you'll provide for us, you'll take care of us. I, I thank you that, um, that you say that uh, all things will work out to the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. God, we feel that. And sometimes, Lord, we, we want you to act immediately and we don't have the grit and resilience that we need. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us grit and resilience. I pray that we would not um, uh, grow tired and waiting on you. I pray that our trust wouldn't wane. Uh, I pray that our, our, um, our steps toward you wouldn't be uh, weak and, and faulty. And, 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 and I pray that we wouldn't be someone like, like a drunk person just staggering as we walk toward you. Instead, God, I pray that we would walk firmly in strength, knowing that you are who you are, confidence that you are who you are, that you are who you say you are, and that, that you will fulfill the things that you say that you would, the promises that you've made to us. So, God, I pray that, that we would walk in that confidence and that we would have grit and resilience from the Holy Spirit in following you, that we wouldn't just, uh, just be weak and uh, wanting, but instead we would walk in trust and confidence. For all the people in waiting, with broken hearts and feeling incomplete. God, I pray. I pray that you would answer their prayers. I pray that you would move in mighty ways. And um, I pray we would have grit and resilience. And uh, it is all these things that we ask and we pray for in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm excited about next week, Redemption. Uh, I was reading Casey Jordan's blog, our director of discipleship. She's the one that preached last week. I was reading her blog and she told this story about when she went to Jerusalem for the first time, I believe it was. And she was getting ready to go into Jerusalem uh, in a couple days uh, per the itinerary. Well, two days before or so, uh, the, the guide who was guiding them said, are you ready for Jerusalem? You know, like that's the pinnacle where they want to go, right? Are you ready for Jerusalem? And they all would cheer and, yeah, yeah, Jerusalem. And he would say, no, you're not ready. You're not ready. And uh, the next day, same thing. Are you ready for Jerusalem? And they would say, yeah, we're ready. And he goes, no, you're not. You're not ready yet. You're not ready. I, I, I must get you ready. Next week, we're going to talk about the fulfillment of the new covenant. We're going to talk about the, the grandeur of it, the, 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 uh, the whimsy of it, the wonder of it, the magic of it. 
but you're not ready yet. See, the Israelites, they waited 600 years to have it fulfilled. And, uh, and sometimes the biggest lessons in our life are in the waiting. And so this week, let's just spend some time. Spend some time wondering, God, uh, what does it look like for you to fulfill your promises? And, and what can I learn in the waiting? Redemption, we love you so much. We hope you feel that. Um, and uh, I just want to encourage you, if you have not signed up for community groups, get involved. Sign up for a community group. Be a part of this family. We have community groups in person and on Zoom. So check out those options. But let's connect. Um, we love you. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Reach out to us. And uh, we'll see you throughout the week. Have a great week, Redemption.